Welcome to The Slow Reader. I'm Steve, and this is a podcast about books. I have a special treat for you this week. Instead of covering an entire book, I will be reading a short story in its entirety. I received permission from the author and editors of The Machine of Death, a collection of short stories about people who know how they are how they die. So a bit of background about the book before I read the story. It was published in 2010 and was based off a dinosaur comic published in 2005 by Ryan North. Dinosaur Comics in itself is quite popular, known for its static panels and humor. North also works for Marvel, I think currently writing for Squirrel Girl. Speaking of Ryan North, that's whose story I'll be reading today. It's called Murder and Suicide, Respectively. I'm going to go ahead and read it and get to my notes after. Murder and Suicide, Respectively, by Ryan North. Scene. Two scientists, Dr. Roche and Dr. Nelson, are discussing experimental results in a lab. A machine is at the center of the room, wires leading from it to various terminals at the edge of the room. A handmade label affixed to the machine by one of the technicians identifies the machine as the machine of death. Dr. Roche. So the machine works. Given a sample of blood, it tells you how you're going to die. Dr. Nelson. Yes. Dr. Roche. And we know this because we've done experiments on lab mice and on ourselves. Once the mice started to die, we started to get 100% accuracy. And with the passing of Dr. Choman last week, it seems it works on humans as well. Dr. Nelson. Yes, we need more data points, of course, but there's no technical reason why it won't work just as well on any mammal. Dr. Roche. Okay, this being the case, I have a question. Scene. Outdoors. Dr. Roche and Dr. Nelson are strolling outside, walking and chatting. Dr. Roche. So I know I'm new here, and I wasn't around for the invention of the machine. I'm necessarily approaching this from an outsider's perspective. Dr. Nelson. Yes, but that's fine. Dr. Roche. Right, so here's a thought experiment. We're going to assume that we're ignoring the animal cruelty laws. We're getting around them somehow. Dr. Nelson. Without jail time. Dr. Roche. Yeah, so given that, we pick out a rat. Let's call him Timmy. Dr. Nelson. Okay. Dr. Roche. So we take Timmy the rat, and we decide that we're going to kill Timmy by braining him with a hammer. Dr. Nelson, surprise noises. Dr. Roche, okay, so stay with me. We decide, we promise to ourselves, that as soon as the test is done, we're going to kill Timmy the rat by smashing in his skull with a hammer. We run Timmy through the machine, and it comes out, killed by being brained with a hammer. Dr. Nelson, well, not necessarily. It could be any number of things. You might say killed by scientists or got hampered or what have you. We don't know why there's such variability, but there is. Dr. Roche. Right. But what all those predictions have in common is that they all fit with being hit on the head with a hammer. Dr. Nelson. Correct. Dr. Roche. Okay. So we take this prediction, read it, and then we kill Timmy by smashing his head in with a hammer. Everything's fine, right? Dr. Nelson. Right. Of course... If we decided to spare Timmy, then the paper would reflect that. It wouldn't have said, killed by being brained with a hammer. It would have said something like, died of old age, or whatever. Dr. Roche. That's fine. It's crazy and creepy, but it's fine. The predictions are infallible. Sometimes they're unclear or ironic, but they always come true. Dr. Nelson. That's correct. Dr. Roche. Okay. So what if we decide we're going to kill Timmy by smashing his skull in, but we're not going to do it right away? We run him through the machine and then put him in a box, where we'll have food and water and be cared for, and we leave him there for a few months, and then we brain him. 
The prediction's still going to be hammer-related, yes? Dr. Nelson. Most likely. Of course, the longer we try to keep him alive, the greater the chance that the rat might die from some other cause, a heart attack or something else we can't control. Dr. Roche. But we can know that by the prediction. If it says something like heart attack, something that's inconsistent with being killed by us with a blow to the head, then we know the rat isn't going to live long enough for us to kill it. Dr. Nelson. I suppose. Dr. Roche. So let's say, take a sample of blood from Timmy, and we put him in this box, this life support box. And we take this box, and we ship it overseas. Overnight. We ship it to Fred, say. Dr. Nelson. Dr. Mary? Dr. Roche. Yeah. And we tell Dr. Mary that it's coming. And then when he gets the box, let's say Timmy's survived. We've instructed Dr. Mary to open it up and kill the rat inside with a hammer at precisely 11.59pm, which he does without hesitation. Dr. Nelson. A stroke before midnight? Dr. Roche. Sure, for grammar's sake. Then one minute later, at midnight, we actually run the blood sample we took earlier through the machine. What do you suppose it'll say? Dr. Nelson. Something about being killed with a hammer, of course. It's already done. Dr. Roche. Precisely. A beat. Dr. Nelson. So? Dr. Roche. You don't see it? What if we could ship this box further away? What if Dr. Mary lived thousands of light years away and we could somehow get the box to him? If we set a time for him to do the killing and for us to run the blood through the machine shortly afterward, then as soon as we read the machine's prediction, we sent information faster than the speed of light. Dr. Nelson thinks for a second. Dr. Nelson. Well, it's an interesting thought experiment, but we can't send things thousands of light years away, much less with precise timing. The rat would be long dead by the time it arrives. Dr. Roche. Sure, but if we could... Dr. Nelson, interrupting. Even if we could, no information is actually being transmitted. If Mary's good at following our orders, he's going to kill the rat, yes? And we could expect this when we sent the rat in the first place. Besides, we could run the test as soon as we take the first blood sample, and we'd already know how it's going to turn out. So yeah, we're getting information about the future, but it's not breaking any universal speed limits. The information was always there, and quoted in the rat's blood. Dr. Roche. Hmm. Dr. Nelson. But. But. He trailed off, lost in thought. Dr. Roche stares at him for a moment. Dr. Nelson. You're just using one rat in your example. Dr. Roche. Yes. Just to make things easy to imagine. We could send lots of rats. We probably would, in, some, in case some of them died for whatever reason. Dr. Nelson. Okay, okay. What if we made, say, 100 of these life support boxes and put a few rats in each? Dr. Roche. So about 300 rats. Dr. Nelson. Yes, and we don't send those rats light years away or overseas. We just put them in storage. Dr. Roche. Each collection of rats in their own life support box. Dr. Nelson. Right. We number each box, and a lab rat properly taken care of lives for what? Two to three years? Dr. Roche slowly catching on. On average... Dr. Nelson. So we put those rats in storage, and then, two years later, or sooner if need be, Dr. Nelson looks at Dr. Roche, eyes wide with the idea. Dr. Nelson. We take them out, Dr. Roche understanding, and we kill them. Dr. Nelson. But we don't kill them all with a hammer to the head. We have a code, Dr. Roche. Each death means something different, Dr. Nelson. It'll be noisy. We can't trust the machine to make it clear exactly how each rat dies but we've got more than one rat for each letter. And if we choose the deaths carefully, we should be able to minimize the overlap between predictions. Dr. Roche, a different death for each letter of the alphabet. Each box equals one letter. Dr. Nelson, we could send a message back in time to the point when we first took the blood samples from the rats. 
Dr. Roche and Dr. Nelson stare at each other. Dr. Roche, we've got to get to the lab. Well, when I first read this story back in 2010, I didn't understand it. The title doesn't have anything to do with the story itself, at least not directly. So while I won't give away my thoughts entirely, I will share my research. I found a message board thread asking about this story. What I was having trouble with was figuring out what exactly the scientists were trying to do with their thought experiment. So here's the basics of it. The scientists are going to send a message into the past. They accomplish this by assigning each method of death a letter, knowing that the machine of death is infallible every time. Uh, when they set up their experiment, they don't know how their lab rats are going to die. However, because the machine is right every time, and they set up their code ahead of time, they're able to receive a message from the future. For example, their future selves could, sell to, could tell them, sell all Google stock by killing the rats in a particular fashion. Because the machine knows how the rats are going to die, they'll get this message immediately. So I guess this creates kind of a closed time loop because the scientists will then need to make sure that in two years' time, they kill the rats to get the message they send out. But then, doesn't sending a message to the past change the future? Quite the paradox. Well, let me know what you think is a result and what you think the title has to do with the story. I have my own theories. Find me at Stephen underscore G on Twitter. That's all for today. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks for the Saturday Night Ghost Club.